Hello, this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. And uh, today I've got a little bit of a hard topic. Uh, I've touched on it, I alluded to it in uh, another recent scandalous uh, subject that I covered earlier this week, which was polygamy. And uh, this one is also coming up because it was in my news feed or it was in uh, the main page for Drudge this morning when I woke up and was reading through uh, the news. But, uh, you know, it's the topic of genocide. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you the specific story that sparks my interest, and then we'll talk uh, in more uh, general terms. Uh, there is uh, a story in Zero Hedge uh, coming out of South Africa. And the, the title of it is the, quote, Hitler of South Africa, end quote, tells white people he won't kill them yet. And uh, so the, the story is about what's going on in South Africa. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar, uh, many white South African farmers have been uh, getting murdered, <laughs> basically, uh, and having their farms taken from them uh, by force. And uh, you know, it's, it is... Uh, an ugly, unpleasant, uh, frightening thing, what is happening in South Africa. And uh, it, it's just, it, it, it's racist, right? And uh, I find it just chilling that this guy would say, well, we're, we're not going to kill you yet. Yet. Uh, you're on notice. Uh, and that's a get out while you still can kind of a, a message a warning shot, and then they're going to open fire at some point with whoever doesn't listen to that, who doesn't uh, vacate the premises. Uh, but a question I want to ask my audience is, uh, do we only perceive racism as evil when it is white people being racist? Or is all racism <clears throat> equal? You know, if all people are equal and equal in value and equal in worth and equal in, shall we say, culpability? Are they equally responsible for their actions, for their choices, being either good or evil? Uh, is it equally evil when one, uh, you know, as they say, race of people, I wouldn't put it that way, I would, I would say maybe one family group or one ethnicity or, or what have you, one nationality, one uh, what have you. Uh, but, but we'll just use the common parlance. When one race of people uh, is doing it, is it better or worse than if another group of people is doing it? And if so, then is it possible that our perception of racism is itself uh, racist? Uh, I think so. That, that would be my contention, and uh, I feel a, a little bit lonesome uh, trying to articulate that and say that that is the view. Uh, you know, if uh, modern, progressive, liberal uh, peoples in the West, if they look at uh, segregation in uh, the South, southern United States, post-Civil uh, War, they look at Jim Crow laws, they look at lynchings, they look at, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, 
right? Uh, you know, burning crosses in people's front yards, not being allowed to drink from the same water fountain, having uh, bleach thrown in uh, a, a pool. If you were swimming in, in a pool, a whites-only pool, and you weren't supposed to on that day or in that neighborhood or whatever, you know, do we recognize that as evil? Well, I think we should. Uh, I'm all for that. But if we don't recognize it as equally evil, if uh, a black uh, population is treating uh, the whites in their midst in, in that way, in similar ways, for similar or identical reasons, <laughs> uh, if we don't see those as two sides of the same coin, as the same fundamental heart issue, then I would argue we have a racist view of racism. And, uh, and that's just, that's not a way to, to move forward. It's not a way to be uh, part of the solution, right? You're, you're only going to be part of the problem. If we don't take it seriously when this Hitler of South Africa tells white people he won't kill them yet, um, but we would, we would freak out over microaggressions uh, by white people towards other ethnic minorities, uh, then guess what? We're racist, <laughs> um, and and you're you're contributing. You you are uh, feeding the evil that is rising in the world. Uh, and and I'm sorry, but you're you're ignorant. Maybe you feel good about yourself. Uh, maybe you say, well, you know, on the whole, white people have done so much more uh, harm than all these other ethnicities. Well, for one, you know, back that up. I mean, if that's going to be your presumption. Uh, because you've been bombarded with propaganda your whole life and, and can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, you know, stop, think about it. Uh, tell me how it is you substantiate that. You know, provide some evidence. Uh, but also, too, uh, you know, maybe it's it's less about trying to feel good about yourself or trying to look really virtuous. Uh, you know, and that goes for things you say and for things you won't say, right? If you won't speak out against uh, racism and genocide when it is black people uh, perpetrating it against white people, uh, and then and then you uh, are, are deathly afraid uh, of saying anything that could be misconstrued as offending black people, but you're willing to feed a narrative that white people are the devil. Uh, guess what? You're, you, you maybe feel good about yourself, but uh, you don't have a right to. You're, you're being ignorant and you're actually supporting and, and, and holding up injustice. You're, you are supporting injustice by uh, being uh, concerned more with appearances than with reality, right? Uh, and and also too, I mean, if you want to say, well, uh, racism has as one uh, popular, uh, I think he was a Black Panther, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, as he defined racism. Uh, racism is power plus plus prejudice. Uh, well, at what point do you recognize that uh, some non-white person or group uh, has power. You know, you can recognize prejudice. And I think, honestly, we all have some measure of power, right? Even if you're just 
one young, angry young man walking down the street playing the knockout game and punching some uh, random passerby, some, some poor white woman in the head. See if you can knock her out because you think that is uh, funny. Uh, that's power in uh, sufficient measure to uh, possibly kill that poor woman. Right? Uh, it doesn't have to be that you, know, you are this leader of South Africa. But guess what? It starts out small. It, it, you know, it, it's a heart issue either way, whether you're the leader of a country or whether you're just some thug walking down the street and punching some random passerby. It, it is a heart issue either way. If we don't uh, recognize the heart issue uh, irrespective of skin color, then we have no hope of ever actually addressing the problem uh, or bringing uh, a resolution to it because all of your uh, reparations that you're going to try and uh, institute is only going to perpetuate the cycle more. How do you even quantify that? You know, when you've paid enough reparations, and if you pay too much, then are you going to say to the other side, "Well, okay, now now you got to pay reparations back"? That descends into an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, ad infinitum and you have this people group saying well now it's our turn and now we get to treat uh, X group the way that they treated us all these years and so you know if so-and-so had a second cousin that he thinks got murdered by somebody of that race well now it's going to be fair game to go ahead and murder uh, one of theirs in, in uh, retaliation you know, guess what? That's that's how you have race wars. That's how you have genocide. That that is where it comes from. That's how it happens. Uh, you know, the reparations talk. It doesn't even make a lot of sense. I mean, it's it's one thing if you can say, I personally was mistreated. I personally am a direct victim of that person or that group over there. They kidnapped me. They. Uh, forced me into uh, servitude, they treated me horribly, that person or that group over there that exists right now should be punished, and then I should be uh, compensated for my losses. Uh, that's one thing, right? And, and nobody, nobody is against that. There's no debate about it. Where it gets really, really fuzzy is where you start pulling uh, – Things from the distant past, from generations and generations ago, your grandparents, your great-grandparents' generation. And you're going to say, hey, these people over here, these white people, even if they're great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents and everybody between them and, and uh, you uh, never owned any slaves, didn't support that system, were against it, uh, maybe even fought in, in the American Civil War to, to bring an end to it. Uh, just because y'all were white and are white, uh, now you're going to have to pay money or whatever, you know, or support affirmative action or just tiptoe around in, in, in a politically correct uh, speech, not say these things. You have to then say these things instead. Uh, now, now that is going to happen anytime somebody over in this group whose skin color is this, whose ethnicity is this, uh, is in the mix. You're going to have to pay them money. You're going to have to give them first pick of the jobs. You're going to have to 
not criticize them, not disagree with them, uh, because otherwise you're going to be accused of racism. And uh, even if that's not fair, even if you're not being racist, uh, you know, it, we've, we've got to we've got to compensate them for things. And it doesn't even matter if, you know, their great, 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 great grandparents and everybody in between them and you uh, were <laughs> not slaves. Uh, you know, just because they are of a certain ethnicity that was enslaved or they were mistreated or there were, there was a conflict between them and the European uh, settlers who came over and created the United States of America or whatever other country, you know, now, now they need to be uh, compensated for that point. That, where does that end? Right. You know, where, how do you even measure it? How do you, the arithmetic, the, the calculations uh, to make sure that it's done equitably. And if you don't care about it being done equitably, then what are we even talking about? Right. I mean, the whole premise of, of such an idea of reparations, right. Is that, you're going to make things fair again. You're going to bring justice. And if you're doing injustice in the process, then it's just a, a toilet. You're being flushed down as a uh, person and as a society, however large a group of people you're going to institute this kind of a approach. And you're just flushing all their productivity, their energies, uh, their attentions and their resources down that toilet. And it's just going to circle the drain uh, and, until it's gone, uh, unless somebody says, now, wait a second, uh, hold up. <laughs> uh, this doesn't make sense. That's not right. I'm not guilty for what, uh, yeah. for one, even if my parents and grandparents were, uh, slaveholders, slave owners, even if your parents and grandparents were slaves, that doesn't mean that you're personally a victim or that I personally am the victimizer. You know, I am not guilty of the sins of my fathers and grandfathers, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure as hell not guilty of uh, the sins of an entire race. And, and if you disagree with that, then congratulations, you are a racist. <laughs> that is racism. And if you can't recognize it, then you just, you flat don't know what racism is. You just don't. And maybe you should just, uh, Stop talking about these kinds of issues until you've done a little bit of uh, research, until you've thought about it independently of propaganda, brainwashing and talking points and uh, emotional arguments and intimidation, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You need to think about this objectively and uh, in, in terms of truth, in terms of universals. You just absolutely have to. That's the only solution for it. You you can't appeal to your favorite uh, authority figures from this group or another group because there's going to be a conflict and somebody else is just going to pull out another authority figure, you know, uh, or they'll dismiss the authority figure that uh, you have a respect for. You know, if I if I quote a Thomas Sowell, uh, who I think is uh, brilliant. Uh, you know, if I quote his uh, Black Rednecks and, and White Liberals uh, book where he talks about racism and slavery and all that kind of stuff, uh, all you have to do if you don't like it, you, you just call him a, an Uncle Tom, Uncle Ruckus. And, uh, and then you don't even have to address the point he was making. You don't have to acknowledge that uh, 
he's right on this, that, or the other thing. You don't have to think about anything that he's saying. And so also, you know, if you bring up an authority figure that I reject, if you, you know, if you cite uh, Barack Obama and you say, well, Barack Obama said this, 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 and this, and I really think that was great. And Al Sharpton said this, this, and this, and I think that's, you know, yeah, he's spot on. I totally reject their authority to weigh in on this. I, I think they are a part of the problem, not part of the solution. And so then where are we at? We're just in conflict, right? We're in conflict, black versus white, or left versus right, or whatever. Uh, but the only solution for it, if, if we want there to be an eventual, if we're not just addicted to the conflict, if we want there to be an eventual solution to the conflict, you have to appeal to uh, a universal standard of right and wrong, of truth and falsehood, of wisdom and folly, of justice uh, and mercy. And, and you and there is a place for both. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, certainly with you know things that happened hundreds of years ago, uh, you know, maybe if you're still carrying around resentment, maybe justice isn't what is needed uh, for your ancestors where you're going to go out and punish the ancestors of the people that hurt your ancestors. Uh, maybe that's not justice. But if you're having a hard time letting go of the bitterness that has passed down to you from your, your parents and grandparents, etc., uh, maybe mercy is what's needed. Maybe you just need to le let that stuff go. Right. Uh, but, you know, where do we get any kind of a concept of what is right, what is wrong, what is up, what is down, what is good, what is bad, uh, that is going to be able to decide these matters and be able to rise above the fray and then uh, speak to uh, all parties concerned in a way that they're going to listen to, in a way that they're going to acknowledge and, and submit themselves to. Uh, I, I have... An answer. <laughs> I, I I believe I know uh, who it is that we appeal to. Now, I think you guys all know where I'm going with that. And as a Christian, uh, I'm going to say that uh, we should be going to Yahweh God, uh, the Lord Almighty, to weigh in on these things, to adjudicate uh, to give us a solution to the problem of racism. Now, the atheist will object at this point, and I've heard the objections. I've been part of a fair number of debates in which atheists brought this up out of the blue. Even if we weren't talking about it already, they would bring this objection up, and that is that uh, slave owners way back when tried to use uh, various arguments from the Bible to defend racism and uh, to say that one of the sons of Noah was cursed and so then his descendants were the black people and uh, because of that curse then, then it's actually biblical for us to mistreat and oppress and enslave the descendants of that son of Noah. And, uh, and then, you know, they would say, well, it may be the, the, the mark of Cain that God, uh, he placed on uh, you know, one of the first men, you know, the, one of the first uh, <clears throat> children born to Adam and Eve outside the garden you know, after Cain murdered uh, righteous Abel in jealous anger. Uh, God put a mark on Cain 
And uh, and so then, you know, you had racists saying that the mark of Cain was black skin. And uh, so then all the black people, they were descendants of Cain. And so therefore, uh, there was something uh, unworthy in them of us treating them with respect or dignity or, or what have you. So then that somehow made it okay to enslave them. Um, you know, first off, I would say, you know, just because historically those arguments were made from the Bible, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, those arguments uh, represented good biblical scholarship. Uh, it doesn't mean that those arguments then changed what the scriptures actually say or what uh, the meaning is of what the Bible actually says. Uh, we need to look at what the text actually says. Uh, so those those arguments are pretty weak uh, if you're going to point to historical examples. But... Uh, the atheist will also point to uh, the children of Israel coming into the promised land. God had commanded them to uh, conquer the land and to put every man, woman, and child uh, inhabiting it to the sword. And so then, you know, there's an objection from the text. Uh, what about that? Isn't that genocide? And how could a God who advocates genocide be the one who's going to then arbitrate? He's going to judge between different racial groups as they uh, try to work out their differences, make peace with one another, etc. Now that one is, I, I will admit, that is a, a trickier one. That is a more difficult one to answer, uh, especially if we're going to condemn what uh, is happening in South Africa uh, where the, the blacks are murdering the whites. And uh, you know, after generations of resentment, uh, feeling as though uh, they were the oppressed people, now they have the upper hand, now they have the power politically, and uh, they're going to use it. They're going to uh, get revenge. They're going to get theirs, get their reparations, uh, etc., Now, a couple of things I'd like to say, though, to uh, objections to Christianity. You know, for one thing, uh, in the case of South Africa, I read uh, Mishner's The Covenant. And uh, before that, I knew nothing about South African history whatsoever. Uh, I knew where South Africa was, generally speaking. I knew that it was... In the southern part of the continent of Africa, but uh, that was about it. didn't Didn't really know a whole lot, and uh, so I listened to this epic audio book. And one of the the things I found most striking about the history of South Africa is uh, just how uh, central to the lives of the Dutch Boers uh, Christianity was, or at least the Bible was a lot of biblical imagery and uh, parallels that they wanted to draw uh, between themselves and the historic Israelites, between the uh, native Africans and the uh, Canaanites, the original inhabitants of the promised land in the Old Testament. And from drawing these parallels, which were of uh, dubious merit, it should be noted, uh, the original Dutch settlers of South Africa were able to justify 
uh, treating the indigenous persons of South Africa uh, as the Israelites were commanded to treat uh, the Canaanites or, or the uh, original inhabitants of the, the promised land. And oddly enough, I mean, you, you read the entire Bible, not just the Old Testament, but also the New Testament. You read about grace. You read about this uh, great commission Jesus gives to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, uh, you know, for me as a listener and as a Christian, I was scratching my head wondering why it was the Dutch didn't uh, feel a need to convert the uh indigenous people of Africa. Uh, instead, uh, they, I suppose, only read the Old Testament, only paid much attention to it when it came to how they were supposed to relate to uh, other people groups. And, uh, you know, that, so, so that was one issue is, you know, why didn't they ever read the end of the book? Why didn't they ever read the New Testament as well as the, the Old Testament? Uh, the second problem is, you know, <clears throat> where they uh, came to, to view themselves as the uh, Israelites and to presume that uh, everything that God had commanded the Israelites was also a command for them in, in how to relate to these uh, infidels, right? These in, in indigenous uh, Africans who were non-white. Um, oddly enough, even when those indigenous Africans, uh, the, the black Africans, whose ancestors had lived there for who knows how many generations before the Dutch, the Portuguese, and the English, etc. Uh, you know, even when those black Africans converted to Christianity, you know, were they treated uh, as brothers? You know, wouldn't they also then be the modern Israelites? If the Dutch were the modern Israelites by virtue of being Christians, you would think so. And you would think that the spiritual reality of their being Christians would take precedent over the racial reality. Uh, and yet it wasn't. And, and that, is, uh, you know, that is a tragic reality of the history of South Africa. Uh, you know, there's always uh, that risk of hypocrisy and of double standards when the church goes astray, uh, there's always that risk of it being the, the core thing that uh, we pick and choose what parts of the scriptures are convenient, and then we ignore the parts that would give us a responsibility that might cost us something, might tie our hands, might uh, force us to suffer in a way that we don't want to have to. Um, <clears throat> but in any event, you know, anybody that would refer to that historical example from South Africa in particular to say, God, Christianity has no place in this uh, scenario, uh, you know, because of the Boers, because of uh, the Europeans who came over uh, and, and their application of the Christian worldview, of Christian ethics, that's just kind of muddied the waters and, and tainted uh Christianity having anything to say about this forever after. You know, I would say again, uh, we, we cannot read into the scriptures uh, the interpretation of those people that misapply them and then say that the scriptures, the original core thing that God called us to, is itself uh, lacking 
or at fault. Uh, you know, if we if we do that and reject the scriptures, then we are no better than uh, any of the villains who have taken the scriptures, the parts that were convenient to them, heightened those, ignored the parts that were inconvenient, and then uh, used, hid behind uh, the scriptures, the Bible, Christianity, in order to justify being uh, awful and monstrous. We're in the same category, uh, only this time, instead of hiding behind uh, Christianity, uh, we are rejecting Christianity. Uh, because we, you know, don't like the, the stuff that's inconvenient to us. Uh, meanwhile, you know, if we really looked at it, and I would encourage you, if you're uh, an agnostic, you're an atheist, you're just not acquainted with Christianity beyond the very general uh, truths that, you know, there was this guy named Jesus, and he was nice, and taught people to be good to each other. That's all you know of Christianity, and you just think it's a, just a, a good moral philosophy, but nothing more really. Uh, I would encourage you, you know, really study what the scriptures say. Read the book from cover to cover, and uh, and and not just for the parts you like, and not just for the parts you don't like, you know, because that's that's the problem, right? Uh, you you pick and choose, and then all of a sudden, everybody else has a responsibility to truth and goodness, and we don't, and we get to just do whatever we want. Uh, that's what's wrong with uh, the scenario that in the history of South Africa. That's that's what's wrong and so many other similar situations throughout history. But what could be right and what would be right uh, in South Africa and everywhere else would be if you have men like, let's say, William Wilberforce, like Martin Luther King Jr., whose Christian faith uh, informs their uh, repudiation of racial uh, hatred and animosity, the repudiation of injustice, of murder, of lies, of malice, uh, of godlessness. You know, those men, William Wilberforce, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, and others, you know, their Christian faith animated them to stand up against uh, what was wrong. Uh, you know, very powerful forces of injustice, uh, even at risk of their health and of their lives, uh, you know, Wilberforce really uh, sacrificed his health in a uh, relentless opposition to the slave trade in the British Empire. And he was able to bring it to an end, which is unbelievable, considering the, the, the British Empire was the largest uh, truly international uh, empire the world had ever seen, certainly the largest, most powerful at that time as well. Uh, when Wilberforce was campaigning against the slave trade, trying to abolish it. And who would have thought, you know, this young uh, man, this idealist, uh, with his uh, railing and his persistence and his ideals, you know, who would have thought that he would have been able to succeed in getting that accomplished? And yet he did. You know, it cost him his health, but, you know, to God be the glory that he was able to bring that to a close and stop uh, this injustice that was being uh, perpetrated in the name of a ostensibly Christian nation. You know, the British Empire uh, was not uh, truly, truly a Christian uh, empire. It had all of its own uh, mistakes and sins and flaws uh, because it was inhabited and, and ruled by human beings 
and human beings are sinful creatures that uh, make bad choices and can be selfish and, and cruel and all that. But you know, thank God for men like Wilberforce. Thank God for men like Martin Luther King Jr., who had the courage to stand up in America, which at that time <clears throat> was the most powerful, most impressive empire uh, the world had ever seen and certainly the most powerful empire in the world at the time. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was able to get up as a minister and say, hey, wait a second, this is not justice. This is not the way you treat people, uh, especially if these are uh, men also created as you are in the image of God. This is not acceptable. This is not the way that you should treat one another. This is not the way that God calls us to treat one another. Stop it. Just stop it. Uh, you know, and you, you imagine too, I mean, for any uh, young black men that are just appalled uh, by the way that uh, you know, young black men are regarded, you know, if they're treated with prejudice, uh, assumed to be thugs and criminals just because of the color of their skin, or if they're racially profiled, if they're pulled over for uh, driving a nice vehicle in a uh, well-to-do part of town on the assumption that they're not supposed to be in that part of town, you know, anything like that, you know, if, if there's unfairness and injustice being perpetrated against young black men and young black men are frustrated by that because it's an injustice. Uh, I, I can sympathize. I really can. I, I say that as a young white man, but I hate it when I'm treated unfairly and I hate it when other people are treated unfairly and I hate bullies. Uh, and I'm, I am against oppression and injustice. I am not apathetic or unsympathetic. Uh, but uh, do we make the problem better or do we make the problem worse when the frustration that we feel towards that injustice uh, then gets uh, channeled into mistreating others, into proving prejudice right by then becoming a criminal and becoming uh, somebody who is uh, disrespectful towards uh, law enforcement towards laws, towards basic decency, uh, you know, th that doesn't help anybody. And then if you become resentful towards all white people, because, hey, why aren't the white people doing something to put it, you know, why aren't they, they campaigning against this? Why are they allowing this to stand to be the status quo? Now, wait a second. You know, you can't just be resentful towards all white people as if this is all white people's fault any more than, you know, you want that, uh, officer, that, that law enforcement officer, to assume that you're a criminal uh, just because uh, crime statistics are higher in uh, black American neighborhoods and, and populations and demographics, right? Uh, I, you think about what Martin Luther King Jr. was actually saying to, you know, I have a dream. You know, what was... What was King's dream? His dream was that someday his descendants would live in an America where they weren't judged by the color of their skin. They were judged by the content of their character. Now, God forbid that we reverse that. We try and uh, turn the civil rights movement into just the opposite, where we're going to judge people as virtuous. We're just going to flip the script. We'll just invert it, and then it'll be okay because we're going to make make up for lost time. Now we're just going to treat the white people unfairly and cruelly. 
and we'll be uh, giving the, the black people the benefit of the doubt and then shield them from being accountable if if one of uh, you, you know, if, if one of the kids in your neighborhood robs a convenience store, if he's white, we're going to throw the book at him. If he's black, we're going to let him off because, uh, you know, we, we've got to make up for the slavery of the past that, that did maybe just the opposite sometimes. So also with uh, presidents and politics uh, here in America, for instance, we just had uh, eight years of President Barack Obama where any criticism of him, any disagreement with his policies was considered racist. Uh, now we have uh, Donald Trump as president, and uh, it's not only uh, not racist to disagree with his policies, to criticize him, to, to be just downright hateful towards him, but uh, in fact, I think you have a, a great many people trying to prove how not racist they are by being as, as hateful as they can be, or at the very least, not supporting them. You know, if you if you uh, just don't support him, don't uh, agree with his policies, don't give him credit when he does things, then that'll prove that you know you're not a racist, or at least you won't be accused of being racist. If you support the president, then you're racist. Now, if you didn't support the last president, you were racist. Uh, you know, this is that's just insane, though. And uh, once again, you know, if uh, we're going to be partial uh, to one because of the skin color and say, hey, we have to deflect, uh, shield him and his policies from any criticism or disagreement uh, because he's black or because his, his father was black, his mother was white. So he, if you think about it, technically speaking, he Barack Obama was as white as he was black. I don't buy into this nonsense where we're going to say that because, you know, somebody is not 100% white, that that means that they're not white. Uh, you know, if, the, if he was half European and half African in terms of his ancestry, uh, then, you know, why not just call people Americans in, in all actuality? You know, my ancestors, the lion's share of uh, my ancestors, uh, they were from, uh, I believe, uh, Europe. Uh, but, you know, if you drill down even deeper, you, you talk about what countries in Europe, you know, they're not all the same. Uh, you know, my children, you know, because my wife, uh, her uh, father's side, I think they were uh, originally hailing from Scotland, uh, the Duffs. Uh, and because my, my grandmother on my mom's side, uh, she, her family originally hailed from Scotland. Uh, and my uh, mother's father, uh, you know, he, he was originally from France and, uh, or his family, I should say, I think they were originally, I think they were originally French people. Uh, and if my dad's side, if, if some of them were from France, then I guess we're primarily French and Scottish, uh, if you want to get real specific. Uh, but I never think of myself in those terms. Nobody ever refers to me in those terms. Um, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, yeah, if we had just come off the boat uh, from Scotland and we had, you know, a thick Scottish accent, you know, maybe there would have been a, a certain way that we were treated with prejudice in certain parts of America. If we were Irish, you know, the Irish were historically not treated well uh, in America. They were treated uh, with a lot of racism. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, 
identify myself as an Irish American or a Scottish American or French American or, or even a European American. You know, why is it if somebody's ancestors maybe came from Africa, we're going to refer to them, refer of them uh, as, uh, as African American. If somebody's ancestors came from Asia, we refer to them as Asian American. Uh, when was the last time you heard somebody referred to as European American? You, know, you don't, you're just, just Americans. You know, this is, if this is the country that we're from, uh, now, and our parents were from here, and our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, then uh, we're just Americans, you know. Uh, and then, too, uh, I mean, I think of the, the double standard, too. Uh, you know, Ben Carson, I really liked him during the, the primaries. I like that he is the HUD secretary. Uh, I, I supported him uh, as uh, a Republican candidate. He was running during the primaries. Uh, because I liked his ideas and I like his character. I like his dignified way of talking with people. And uh, I think he would have represented us well. I think he's intelligent and thoughtful and, uh, and dignified. And I would like, uh, I think that would make America great again for us to be more dignified and intelligent and, uh, and, and, and thoughtful and considerate and all that. Having some, some self-respect and respecting other people and being patient and not rushing into things. I think that would be great. And, uh, you know, him being black, uh, okay, great, you know, super. So what? Um, and yet, you know, why was it, it not racist uh, to criticize him, you know, for people that disliked Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, brain surgeon, by the way, not a stupid guy, really smart guy, brain surgeon. Um, they made a movie about him, actually, <laughs> way back when he was played by – Cuba Gooding Jr., Gifted Hands, great movie. Um, you know, that was not racist to criticize him, but it is racist to uh, criticize Barack Obama, uh, to disagree with his policies, to, to work to undo them. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's not just. It is uh, not the fulfillment of King's I Have a Dream speech. In my personal opinion, uh, the civil rights movement uh, had it right uh, in that moment of time when King gave that speech, the fact that he was murdered uh, for standing up for uh, the, the basic dignity and the right to liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for even black Americans. Uh, I, I support uh, that he was willing to stand up and speak and to advocate that uh, for what he did. Uh, I, I have the utmost respect for uh, his courage and for his moral clarity uh, in that regard. And, uh, and rather than dwelling on the fact that he was murdered, I choose to dwell on the fact that he had so much courage and that, uh, you know, honestly, I mean, before Obama came along uh, and even with Obama getting elected in the first place, it's like, you know, how is it that America is such a racist country? Uh, when Obama got elected in the first place, you know, and, and why is it, you know, if the progressives are just all about this undoing racism, why weren't they uh, big supporters of Ben Carson? Why, why were their criticisms uh, so cruel and ridiculous uh, when he was running for president or, or when he's, you know, since he's been uh, HUD secretary, uh, treating him like he was stupid uh, you know, what it really was, was he, he was being treated like an Uncle Tom because he was opposing the progressive agenda, uh, the plantation, 
uh, approach to uh, getting blacks to vote Democrat consistently uh, year after year, election after election. But anyways, I think uh, you know, the, the antidote to racism is to treat each person as an individual, uh, to treat each person with respect and dignity, uh, because each person, each human being, uh, whatever ethnicity they are, whatever continent they originally uh, come from or their ancestors originally came from, uh, they are made, created in the image of Almighty God. Uh, we are not animals. Uh, sometimes people act like animals, but that's not uh, unique to a certain ethnicity. It's not unique to a certain skin color or uh, continental heritage. That is uh, just a, a fact of human nature that some human beings can be incredibly cruel, barbaric, primitive, uh, undignified. They can treat themselves and others with contempt and behaving in ways that are unbecoming and that don't deserve respect. But to then, uh, you know, bring justice to a scenario where someone is being cruel uh, or to not bring it uh, only based on the color of their skin, that is racism. And that is ugly and it's evil. Right? Uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, an antidote to, the, to the, the racism that we see in the world, uh, right now we're looking at South Africa and seeing farmers being murdered in the night, their farmers being stolen, them being treated in horrible ways because they're whites. Uh, as, a, as a form of reparations, is vengeance, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But as a Christian, <clears throat> I oppose that uh, for the same reason I support what Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about, where you judge people based on the content of their character, not on the color of their skin. Uh, that is biblical. And that is uh, what God is about. That is his view of uh, righteousness of justice and uh, and also too I mean just let's go back uh, in history a little ways you know look at biblical history the biblical narrative you know rather than pulling these tortured uh, what conclusions from you know the mark of Cain and, and trying to imagine a scenario in which the mark of Cain was black skin which the text does not say at all uh, rather than trying to torture and, and tease out and read into the text that uh, all of these black people deserve to be enslaved and treated uh, as less than human uh, you know, because uh, one of Noah's sons off the ark uh, was uh, you know, cursed by his father, um, you know, rather than pull, you know, grasping for uh, excuses like that to be uh, ugly, and mean and cruel and, and unjust. Uh, you know, the, the much more sensible uh, thing to do to draw a conclusion from uh, the biblical narrative is to look at the fact that uh, you know Noah. You know, read read the story of Noah, but read it in a different sense and from a different perspective. Read that uh, in the days of Noah, you know, God regretted that He had made man because there was so much violence. The earth was filled with violence, and the thoughts of man were just to do evil continually. That's all mankind wanted to do, was just be evil 
and ugly and violent and to destroy and to tear apart and be cruel and hurt one another. And that dishonored God because man is made in God's image. And so whether uh, you as a human being are uh, being evil uh, or someone else is having evil done to them, uh, both ends of that dishonor God, our, our creator, and they displease him. And so God uh, made up his mind he was going to uh, destroy all life. He was going to shake the etch-a-sketch of creation, as it were, and start over. And uh, he looked at Noah and his family, and uh, you know, his regard for, for Noah was that Noah was, was blameless. You know, Not that Noah was perfect, I'm sure, uh, but that Noah believed God. And I'm sure, as it says in another place, uh, it, it was credited to him credited to him as righteousness that he believed God and uh, and so you know the only human beings that were saved from the flood uh, that God sent to to shake the etch a sketch of creation uh, were Noah and his family and so you have uh, going back you don't have uh, human beings evolving from different life forms or some human beings evolve from uh, mice and some human beings evolve from snakes and some human beings evolve from cats. You know, in, you, you have uh, human beings descended from Adam and Eve originally that God made special. He created them in his image, male and female. He created them. Uh, and then you have uh, down further uh, when, when God sh- shakes the etch-a-sketch of creation, you have all mankind descending from Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. And, and so then uh, we're all family. Yeah, isn't that remarkable? If you go fa- back far enough, we're not talking about millions of years in the biblical narrative. Now we're talking about uh, several thousand years at most. If you're looking at the genealogies and reading them literally as I do. Uh, and, and in that scenario, you know, if it's just a few thousand years, uh, that separate any of us at most uh, from being uh, family. We're just distant cousins, all of us from one another. Uh, then, then what are we doing? Why, why are we treating each other in, in such ugly ways? Right. And, and shouldn't we stop it? You know, uh, your, your neighbor, you know, it's the, the second command that is like the first and greatest command is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, who is my neighbor? Well, guess what? It, your neighbor is that white farmer, uh, South Africans. Uh, your neighbor is uh, that young black man who, uh, you know, is is being treated unfairly and, and overly harshly. And, uh, you know, if, if we have uh, ugliness being perpetrated against people, uh, you know, my, my sister-in-law, you know, for instance, is um, you know, I, I won't say she's black. I, she's I think uh, about as black as she is white, and then she's more Asian even than she is either black or white. But I, I guess I just think of her as American. And uh, you know, she, somebody might look at her and they say, "Well, she's not white. She's not totally white." Okay, well, she, whatever. You know, I I'm rolling my eyes. You can't see it on the podcast. Uh, if this were a YouTube video, you'd see me rolling my eyes. Um, but she, you know, her and, and my brother, they told me uh, some ugly stories that I was just dismayed about. And it, it made me angry uh, about uh, back when they lived down in Oklahoma. A couple of times uh, she went into Walmart 
and uh, they have a little boy, my, my nephew, Caden, uh, and she was wearing him, going into Walmart to get a couple of things. And, uh, you know, on her way out of Walmart, the guy, uh, the, the Walmart employee, uh, asked to check <clears throat> uh, her baby wearing to make sure she wasn't trying to sneak out of the store with uh, any merchandise. And, you know, here, here she's wearing uh, her baby and he's asleep. And, you know, it's, I mean, on, regardless of the embarrassment, which is sufficient, I think, even if he was awake, it's just inconvenient if you're going to wake up my baby. Uh, you know, who are you, a stranger? Like, you know, pretty sick. But then also, too, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. Like, if she were uh, a young white woman and she was wearing a baby on her way out, you know, would she have just gotten a smile and a have a nice day? Um, you know, I, that, that bothers me. I don't like that. Uh, and I think we should, uh, not, not stand for that kind of treatment for people. Um, you know, it, as I imagine a scenario of a future America in which, uh, either my brother's children or my children are treated with disdain or are given preferential treatment. Uh, based on the color of their skin. I mean, literally, you know, it's, it's, he's, this is my brother's son. Uh, and so that that little boy is my family, right? And as he, as he grows up and as my sons grow up, if somebody would treat my nephew, who is kin to me, in a way that was disrespectful and unkind uh, just because of the color of his skin, uh, that would be an injustice and it would, it would upset me, right? Um, you know, so also with my children, if they're treated, uh, with, uh, contempt because they're, they're not, uh, you know, racially diverse, uh, because they're white, you know, if all of a sudden the, the sins of the fathers, even though, you know, I didn't own any slaves, my father didn't own any slaves, my grandfather, great grandfather, great, great grandfather, nobody back through, uh, the history of my family owned any black slaves. Uh, I don't believe they probably owned any slaves. Um, but because uh, you know, they were they were Amish and Mennonite, you know, they didn't. <laughs> uh, I don't think the Amish and Mennonites are really known for that. Uh, you know, but but if all of a sudden we're going to be regarded with contempt because we're uh, white Europeans, uh, if you go back in our ancestry, well, then I should hope that uh, you know, any decent person uh, would object to that. Uh, and if not, then uh, that's that's racism, and it's it's wrong. Uh, so it's in that sense that I say that Christianity and the Christian worldview is the antidote to racism. And and even if you know if somebody does treat me in an ugly way uh, because uh, I'm white and they're not, and they resent me, I'm a, I'm a white devil or whatever. Uh, you know, that might bother me. That might upset me. But uh, as a Christian, I am going to try and be gracious. I'm going to try and, you know, if they're rude, I'm going to try and turn the other cheek. Uh, at a certain point, I run out of cheeks. <clears throat> so I'll probably say something. But, uh, you know, so also I think uh, South Africa, you know, at a certain point, you just have to put it behind you. Uh, if you let the bitterness eat at you, uh, you know, maybe it turns into knockout games. Maybe it turns into... Uh, you know, you're going to start saying, hey, uh, it's open season on white people. 
It's open season on taking their farms and murdering them in the middle of the night, and that's going to be okay. Uh, well, it's, it's not okay. It's evil. It's evil. Um, by contrast, I would uh, just challenge you know, anybody that subscribes to this view that we are <coughs> nothing but animals. Uh, because they, they have been brainwashed uh, in our education system and our media uh, to believe that Darwin had it right and that evolutionary thinking uh, should color our perspective on psychology, on uh, social studies, on politics, on business, on culture, and, you know, and everything. Um, you know, it, beware the unintended consequences of such a worldview you know you, you might like the uh, attitude encapsulated in that, that little uh, part of a song that that lyric uh, you and me babe uh, we ain't nothing but mammals let's do it like they do on the discovery channel um, you we like that part of it a, a core uh, part of us likes that and it's and it's a pleasant excuse to just live however you like and, and not worry about being uh, called to account by a holy righteous God who has standards. Uh, you know, if if this is all there is, and then you just die and you're buried and you're worm worm food and that's it, uh, then yeah, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But um, you know, the the flip side of that is not just that you get to be self indulgent and you get to uh, you know, do whatever pleases you, but it's also that you're surrendering the right to object uh, objectively <laughs> uh, to uh, other people acting like animals. And as I watch the Discovery Channel, I don't just see uh, zebras and, and lions getting it on whenever they feel like it. Uh, I also see uh, lions uh, eating zebras uh, with not a, an ounce of remorse. Uh, I see uh, animals eat their young. I see, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of violence. And, uh, you know, whether it's it's within the same species or it's species to species, you know, chimpanzees, if we're just descended from chimpanzees, chimps can be absolutely brutal to one another. Do, do your research. Uh, don't just accept the romantic uh, notions that have prevailed in decades past. Uh, chimpanzees can be absolutely terrifying to one another. Uh, very cruel, very, very barbarous. Uh, and, and so can people. And if you object to that, if, if a core part of you objects to people being barbarous and cruel to one another, uh, guess what? You, you know what that is? Uh, that is the natural law that God has written on our hearts. Uh, he has made it uh, self-evident that that is wrong and there is something you know, regardless of whether uh, cultures around the world uh, still uh, worship the creator God Yahweh God the God of the Bible whether they know him whether they believe uh, the truth about him there's always this uh, echo if you will of the right and wrong that uh, God originally created the universe to operate according to uh, you know, just there, just like there are physical laws uh, that uh, that govern the universe. There's also moral laws uh, regarding right and wrong, the way we should act, the way we shouldn't act. And when something evil is done, you know, C.S. Lewis writes about this. Uh, I think very eloquently. I think pretty much everything he wrote was, was very eloquent. I have the utmost respect for the grace and poise uh, with which C.S. Lewis communicated. But uh, 
you know, he, he, he writes at one point uh, in a very clever, uh, amusing way about how you might have a man one minute uh, insisting that there is no such thing as the natural law. And then the very next moment, he'll be referring to it when he says that uh, you should not have lied to him or you should not have tried to cheat him in a business deal or you shouldn't have tried to you know, take something that belonged to him. Uh, then all of a sudden he's he's referring to some universal standard of right and wrong uh, and and saying that you've broken you violated that standard and he assumes that you know he's he's upset with you because he assumes that you know that same standard and that you're supposed to live according to it and you know you're supposed to live according to it why didn't you and how dare you and now it's time to pay the piper you're going to be punished for it right um, you know it, it, that speaks to uh, their being universal right and wrong even when we disagree about the particulars there's far more that we do agree about and uh, you know if there is a, a universal law it stands to reason also that there is a universal law giver and uh, according to the bible which i believe and which i would encourage you to to read and study and ponder and consider according to the bible god yahweh god is that divine universal law giver and not only did he give uh, the law, not only did he write it on our hearts and make himself known to us. You know, you look up in the sky uh, on a starry night, you see all these twinkling masses uh, far, far, far away, uh, you know, and unimaginable, unfathomable distance away. And scientists figure it out. I realize that. But just wrap your mind around it if you're just walking out into your front yard and you're thinking about how far away these things are and trying to understand that distance in terms of what you're actually familiar with you know you you driving to work you even going on vacation across the country flying around the world you know putting the distance between us and those stars you see in the sky uh in relation to the things that you're familiar with it is uh, mind-blowing uh and then you you, you look up at that universe and you have that sense that uh, there is a majestic reality, a universe uh, that is ordered and, and you look at it and, and instinctively in your heart of hearts, you know that there is God and that that God put that universe in order. He put those stars in their places. He set them in motion. He told them where to go and how to do it. And he sustains the universe by his power. Uh, and uh, and the only reason that some people uh, deny that is because um, they are willful and they suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. They don't want to be accountable to that God for their actions, for their behavior. And, uh, and so they just say, well, he doesn't exist. I, I, I don't want to believe that he exists because it's inconvenient to what I want to do right now. So I'm just going to deny that he exists, despite all evidence to the contrary. This is why also uh, the Proverbs say, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right? And it makes sense that uh, that would be the biblical view when you also believe that God has written on our hearts that there is a God. You have to deny that. You have to kill uh, a part of yourself in order to deny that God exists. And then when you kill that part of yourself, it, it's like uh, performing a lobotomy of the soul. When that part of your soul uh, dies or is killed by you and then kept dead 
you also become numb uh, to the beauty of the universe and to the order. Uh, you can't quite make full sense of it. And that's also why you know, science, uh, apart from God, really, it can never be all that uh, it might be otherwise. Uh, because it's it's like trying to put a, a puzzle together, uh, having thrown away uh, many of the pieces and just insisted, we're just not going to use them. We're going to, uh, no, 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 we're, we're going to finish the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, we just, just not with those pieces, even though they were in the box and they're absolutely essential in order to get the whole picture. Uh, and even though several points, in order to get from uh, this piece A to that piece D, uh, it would really come in handy to have pieces B and C. And so we're never going to put not only B and C down on the, the board, but we're also not going to figure out how A and D are connected by B and C, etc., etc. You get the point. Or if you don't, uh, think about it a little bit. Uh, after this podcast is over, I think it'll come to you if you wanted to. Uh, you know, you can ask too. I, I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about genocide in South Africa. Uh, what does this have to do with uh, all of that? What it has to do with uh, all that is that God is our judge and God doesn't want us treating one another this way. You know, anybody that would say, well, hey, let's not get into racial issues and all that drama because we need to be about the gospel and, and you know, just preach the gospel and it'll sort these things out. Well, these are gospel issues, actually. Uh, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, if that uh, is that uh, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, uh, that that God knew full well <laughs> that we were uh, jacked up, if you uh, will take the Garrett translation or in uh, paraphrase. He knew that we were uh, messed up, and we were actually enemies of God. And all those bad things that were done to your ancestors uh, by somebody from another people group, you know, more than being a sin against you or even your ancestors that were being uh, directly hurt by those things, by those injustices, first and foremost, uh, those were sins against Almighty God, uh, in whose image your ancestors and you and the people that were doing those bad things uh, are made. And uh, and God will eventually. Uh, he's not. He's not forgetful. He he's not uh, turning a blind eye. Uh, you know that liberty that we love so much when it uh, means us getting to do what we want. You know God also uh, is slow to anger. He's not forgetful. Uh, God will not be mocked. We will reap what we sow. Um, you know, but God has also given liberty to the, the people that do the bad things that hurt you, not just uh, giving liberty to you so that you can do things that are sometimes inconvenient or disappointing or hurtful to others. He's also given liberty to others. Uh, and, uh, you know, what is it? God does not want any to perish. He's not willing that any should perish. And so he uh, delays judgment because his judgment, his wrath is so fierce. Uh, you look at Noah again. Uh, you think to yourself, you know, if God gave justice uh, in in all of its uh, measure uh, to all of His ability, that's what we would get again. And and actually, <laughs> I'll let you in on a secret. Uh, 
we're going to get a version of that again at the very end before God makes all things new again. Uh, you know, it says that in the last days it will be as in the days of Noah. And, you know, again, if you're familiar with uh, Noah's story, God promised to never send another global flood the way that he did uh, in Noah's day. Uh, but he, <laughs> it's kind of like with my children, uh, where sometimes they get to be real clever with their, their word choice. Uh, you know, he's, at the very end, uh, he's going to say, well, yeah, I, didn't, I, I promised I would never destroy the earth with water again. I didn't say anything about fire, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, he's going to bring an end to this world with all of its corruption. And he's, he's taken note uh, of who his people are. Uh, he knows them from eternity past. He calls them. Uh, he has chosen uh, people uh, to adopt and to redeem. Uh, and it is not that we're perfect either. Uh, you know, when, if we're blameless, it is only because uh, our faith is credited to us as righteousness. If we believe in Christ uh, as the only begotten Son from the Father, and believe in his atoning sacrifice, if we take God at his word, then uh, God is uh, offering us grace in Christ. And uh, that also, uh, again, with uh, the racism issue, you know, that then enables us to be gracious to others. We, we have to uh, get from God uh, whatever it is, whatever it is that we would then give to someone else. And in the case of uh, reparations and, and bringing an end to racial strife and all that, you know, we're getting from God the grace that it would take, the forgiveness that it would uh, uh, take, that we, we would have to have a spirit desiring forgiveness and able to forgive and treat others with kindness and love, uh, even where they or their kind, their people, their uh, ethnicity, their ancestors, whatever, had wronged us or we feel like they had wronged us. God, uh, in Christ, uh, not only gives us an example of what that looks like, giving them grace, but he also gives us the ability to, to follow and to do likewise. If we submit ourselves to him, we ask him for uh, that grace to then give to others. Uh, and so that, you know, in, in short order, we see quickly that uh, these racial uh, strife issues are gospel issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, far from uh, helping to promote the gospel, when we embrace this idea of white guilt, of collective guilt, uh, where we apologize, we go around saying, I'm sorry for being white, and where we turn a blind eye to injustice when it's uh, perpetrated by people of other skin colors. Uh, far from supporting and affirming the gospel, we're actually undermining the gospel when we do things like that. Uh, instead, yeah, you know, if, if we have sinned, yes, let's repent. You know, where others have sinned, let's call for repentance as well. Regardless of their skin color, we should be calling all to repentance and faith equally. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, but by God's grace, we can be redeemed. And uh, so anyway, I'm going to leave this topic here for today. Uh, if you have been listening and you're thinking to yourself, uh, you know, something that I've missed, something I should have mentioned, uh, something that you just think I'm flat out wrong about, um, please look me up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, 
YouTube. You can email me at garrettmullet at gmail.com. If you have any comments, I'd love to engage you in a discussion. If you had anything to add uh, or subtract or modify <laughs> what I said, if you thought I was off base or, or what have you. But in any case, I hope I was uh, encouraging and I testified to the truth. And uh, God bless. Have a good day.